Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert, helping people to think, speak, and act positively through the many and varied challenges of life. My co-host for today's show is the amazing Tim Chim, also a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and my good friend. Tim, tell everyone about yourself, and then please introduce our guest today. Yes, thank you very much, Tom. Hello, everyone, again, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tim Chim. I'm currently a Napoleon Hill Certified Instructor, and I currently live in New York and own an all-state insurance agency in Rockland County, selling insurance and financial products since 1987. I am a Cambodian-American coming from Cambodia, a tiny Southeast Asian country which has gone through so many changes, Tom, in the last few decades. I am also a survivor of the Khmer Rouge killing field between 1975 and 79, when the rootless Khmer Rouge killed nearly 2 million Cambodian freedom lovers like me. Now, you can reach me here at 845-642-3232 or check my site at www.allstateagencies.com slash 021070. Our guest today is Bora Matarazzo. Today, Tom, is a historical day for Journey to Success Radio, I would say, for Vichara and I are from the same country and went through the same difficulties, but Vichara was born in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, in the peaceful days before the Khmer Rouge communist rebels engulfed this small nation in four years of death and destruction. As the only child, Vichara, of a wealthy and political prominent father, her young life was one of great contrast. She went to University of Phnom Penh to study pharmacy and met her husband there, their forbidden romance caused much conflict for the family, but eventually they prevailed and married in January 1975, four months before the Khmer Rouge took over the country and their lives turned upside down, Tom. All the residents of Numping at that time, including Vichara's entire family, of course my family too, were forced out of their homes and expelled from the city in a mass exodus by the Khmer Rouge rebels. One by one, every member of Vichara's family starved to that skinny as rail. She managed to survive until 1979, when the Khmer Rouge was defeated by the Vietnamese force and the survivors were let go free. Now, Vichara returned to her paternal home she finished her pharmacy degree and made a daring escape to a refugee camp in Thailand. There she met her man who would become her second husband and they made their way to the U.S. in 1984 where 
They had two children now, a boy and a girl. She received her bachelor's degrees in chemistry. She later divorced and met her current husband in Portland, Oregon. Later, Vichara moved to Arizona where she finished writing this very first book, Bamboo Promise, to share her amazing story of survival with the world today. She is now working on her second book, and she's going to tell us a little bit, Tom, about that book as well. Again, thank you, Vichara, for allowing us, Tom and I, to talk to you about your book, your survival story, and about your success in America. Vichara, from reading your book, some part of it, your life and mine are very much alike in terms of you know, the time, place, and the terrible situation that we came across, especially during the time, you know, 40 years ago today, Tom, the mm. time that Cambodia fell into the communist Khmer Rouge regime, the time that our lives, as she stated, was turned upside down as well. Now, you and I and millions of other Vichara uh, uh, had endured so much pain and suffering, and that is very hard for many of us like Tom and our listeners and as well as the general public to feel, to visualize, or even to understand. But will you please, Vichara, uh, I call you by first name, I apologize because you're a little bit my senior, and uh, would you... Uh, Please share with us the reasons why Bamboo Promise or what inspired you to write your first book and tell us what was the book all about. Thank you, Tom and Tim. Welcome aboard. First, I would like to thank you so much for this opportunity to let the world know about what happened in Cambodia. In my book, Bamboo Promise, or Prison Without Walls, I envisioned as a voice for my family, friends, neighbors, and for all Khmer who were slaughtered without justice by the war crimes perpetrated by Pol Pot, the Khmer guerrilla leader, and his followers. This began on April 17, 1975. In Cambodia, millions of Khmer were killed by public decapitation by cutting open their stomach and filling them with grass, having their torsos cut open. The livers were removed so the Khmerus could eat them with liquor. Beating and buried alive. Some women were killed by cutting off their breasts and deep frying them for food. The voice of my father, who prayed the Americans to drop food and rescue all of us. How can I forget all this tragedy, Tom and Tim? As of today, it has been 40 years, the 40th anniversary of the war crimes in Cambodia. But now 40 years is just a number. The pain caused by the loss of my family will remain in my mind my heart for eternity because it was such a tragedy to lose them under such torture. Nine family members were gone like the wind. Only I survived. I should have gone too because I was very lazy, a lazy girl, spoiled brat, and stubborn girl, but I was persistent. 
God kept me alive for a reason. After the genocide, I came home alone to my house in Phnom Penh, located on 182nd Road from that pond. I saw my house. I felt the spirit of my family calling me. But there was a stranger squatting there, and she chased me out of my own home. More pain and disappointment. However, I decided to stay for a while in Phnom Penh to fulfill a promise to my father. Later, I made the decision to escape my, my native country in hope of finding a real peace of mind and a real life. I finally settled in the United States and had two children with my second husband. Actually, my first one was murdered in the killing fields almost before my eyes. Unfortunately, the second marriage didn't work out and we divorced. One day, I sat alone by a window watching a beautiful little bird pick up a teeny twig in his beak and fly away. I wondered how far that bird had to fly with those twigs, one by one, to make a nest. That little bird and his labors reminded me of my father, who had worked so hard all his life to protect the family, especially me, the privileged child. During the starvation and painful sickness, when he believed he could not make it anymore, he still tried to inspire me to live with hope. Some of his advice was spelled out, but much remained with him. I knew he planned to tell me later, but his time was up, and he never completed the ideas. I cried aloud for him and asked God to bring him back now so I could ask him what I had missed. What would his last advice to me have been? Was it about how to avoid this loneliness? that has become so excruciating. I wanted to share my success with him, but how? The only way I could tell him since I felt his spirit was still around me was to write him a letter. The letter started with little phrases, and for 12 years, with tears and agony, those phrases turned into into a book. I want my book to be a reminder to the new generation of people that genocide is not a thing of the past, that is not limited to the history history books. I wanted to use my story as a reminder of what happens in the real life, and that is not just on the TV. Thank you for the first question. Wow, that's an amazing story, uh, Vishra, and I'm familiar with Tim's story, and uh, I imagine it might have been harder for a woman to go through all that than than Tim, and uh, geez, thank you so much for sharing. Now, it's an interesting title for your book, Bamboo Promise, Prison Without Walls. Uh, How did you come up with the title for that book? Yeah, actually, when it translated to Cambo in Cambodian, it means uh, the bamboo sprouts, but it doesn't sound right. It, well, <laughs> let me explain to the words uh, because you know that bamboo is one of the most most uh, utilized and versatile plants on the planet. And my father used to make a potion with the leaves as a diuretic 
to help with his body swelling during the Khmer Rouge area. And also in Asian culture, we consume a lot of them, the bamboo sprouts. The sprouts are rich in various nutrients, protein, minerals, and vitamins, and are also beneficial for controlling cholesterol and for reducing the risk of cancer. And bamboo never dies. It multiplies. This bamboo represents me, who always lived regardless of obstacles during horrendous times. And I never gave up hope. For this reason, as long as I live, I will need to serve humanity in some way or other. Also, bamboo represents Cambodia country who never be disappeared from the globe as long as Khmer people remain as the bamboo sprouts. And promise represents those made to my father beside the bamboo bush as he passed away. Thank you for the second question. Wow, Tom. That that sounds like the the learning from adversity and defeat principle that we have learned, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow, definitely, Uh, definitely. Wow. And uh, so, Tim, do you have another question? Yeah, um, uh, Bong Vichara, I have been trying to uh, finish my book for so long. And for many years, Tom knows that. Now I am still struggling to find words to describe my past story as well as my emotions. And every time, you know, Bong, I I put my fingers on, on the keyboard and think back to the past you know, the journey, the 120 days that I had to go through all of the obstacles, like you said, all the the obvious fact that we, we had to try to uh, avoid. And every time I put my fingers on the keyboard wrong, I, uh, my tears stop them. It's just like I'm frozen. Okay. Yeah, oh. I'm frozen. Now, you must be a very strong woman indeed. And, and can you please tell us, what was the hardest, hardest part of writing your book, and why? Well, the hardest part of writing my book is chapter 19. If anybody reads the book, and you have the book in front of you, go to chapter 19 is the, the hardest part of writing my book. I spilled the same thing, many teardrops, writing this chapter. And many times, I try to avoid this by working on the night chapters, intending to return to 19 later after I finished the whole book. Even now, I still cannot go back to read it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> right. It's, now that you've written so it once, you got it out, you can't go read it. <laughs> yes, so I still see mm. my father in front of me, and I still feel how he struggled uh, before he died, the last breath. And it 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 was painful that time. You must be very very close to your dad, huh, Wong? Um, well, not really before the Khmer Rouge, <laughs> but during the Khmer Rouge time, I became very close to him because he was the last person of my family to, uh, you know was the last person for me that I have to keep him alive. I I never want to let him go. 
and he was so quiet and was so disappointed and uh, that's what I came to love him so hard and one time that we suffered with malaria attack together and um, he decided to give up his life. He decided to give up with the one small pill of malaria he had left in his hand. He said, take it. You have to go. You have to live. And I'm okay. I'm older. Oh, that is, that that killed me. It killed my heart. And that's why I realized that I love him to death. Mm. Very heart-wrenching indeed, yes, Tom. You have any other question right. for her relating to her dad? Oh, yeah, that is a very, very tough story. And now, the book itself, is there a, a, something, was there a specific message that you wanted readers to grasp from this book? Because I imagine it's very hard to read and it was very hard for you to write it. Uh, so I imagine you had a message strong message that you wanted readers to grasp to go through the the toughness of just writing that book. I have a lot of messages, but I came down to the very important one why I um, brought the message to come across my mind is the I want to tell everyone on the planet that including my children to learn the strategy I used to keep myself alive through the dangerous and tough times in a prison without walls, or I can say in the darkness with nowhere to hide or to go. I lived with hope, determination, resilience, and persistence. But that was not all. The main key is I worked smart. I worked very hard to learn what was required to survive. Otherwise, you know, I would be dead. Day after day, I never let my brain to go dead or my vision to go blind. Also, this book contains all the green ingredients for Holocaust, especially with the current situation the world is facing with ISIS. Um, so I just want to say that I got to observe that the strategy of the Khmer Rouge was not that different from the what ISIS is doing. Yes. That's all. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, Bong, I I, I can uh, uh, I'm very sympathetic about your story, and uh, <clears throat> and you know many Cambodian people have been going through uh, the Khmer Rouge uh, genocidal regime at the same time. I'm very uh, uh, sad to see you stay behind for four years, and you know it it it, it was tough for me to. Uh, to uh, to journey from Phnom Penh the same time as you did, and I sh- I, I was just like 120 days of my my uh, difficult times in, in in the jungles and climbing all of that uh, those mountains and everything, but um, some have come to settle in different countries like United States and other countries, France, Ger- Germany, and Japan and Australia, and mm-hmm. and they have. They have learned from from such adversity and defeat very differently. Well, now some even decided to stay to stay as victims for many 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 years and and have not found their ways and means to work their way up to stand on their own feet, so to say. And as for you, did you actually learn anything from your personal agony and 
and from writing your book and and can you share with the the world and what have you done different from the people that I described what did you do or what have you done to make you uh, or, or to manage to become successful in your say career and or as well as your life can you uh, share that with the with the younger generation as well as to uh general public well I have a lot to share with uh, the young generation and uh, to the world too. Uh, thank you, Tom, for asking me this uh, very, this this tough question, and it, but it's very important to to learn and to share. And uh, first of all, before I I share with you how what did I do to myself to become a successful person? Actually, success is not just the money; success is just everything else. So I just want to note. Uh, share that uh, what I learned uh, from writing my book, the main thing is I learned that God kept me alive for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, mm-hmm. the story of those who cannot. To tell the story of the Khmer people that have their lives taken away by the Khmer Rouge. I feel very, very sorry for my country and millions of Khmer who perished in Nosami. In, in the tragedy could have been prevented and could have couldn't happen to the beautiful country like Cambodia. And also the Khmer people are very sweet, nice, and friendly. But, and they expected to live peacefully. But unfortunately, they are so passive and naive. And like my father, as example, was one of them. And let's tell you something. What did he do to prove that he's so naive and and what what is going to happen? Um, next uh, that caused it to happen uh, like uh, in a book in my book on page 72 and 71 in chapter 11 by November 1974 my father because he worked under Prime Minister Lunel as a member of Consti- Constitutional Council of Cambodia and also worked side by side with Mr. Minister Pai Poon he was secretly asked uh, secretly asked to negotiate with the troop of Khmer Rouge leaders invited them to dinner at, at our house and he was excited and at the dinner when the, when the dinner was over he said nothing is going to happen as long as he lived and that's what he's assured but he knew Prime Minister Lenore was protected by Americans and he knew Americans would also defeat Khmer Rouge but however and in page 103 and chapter 13 um, before my um, before my new year, my father told us that Americans American dip- diplomats abandoned us, and Prime Minister General Lenore have had gone through uh, into exile, and my father couldn't believe that Americans abandoned us and uh, handed over to the murder. He then realized that he was lied to, and it was too late. Our heart dropped. We couldn't cry, but. We couldn't cry, but couldn't find a place to hide. The genocide was at the door. Mm. However, mm. Um, even though he he still keep believing that um, American uh, would come to rescue uh, us and drop food when he became very very starved and painful, and this is what I learned that uh, we Cambodian should learn something that. We have to uh, not to trust, any, not to to depend on anybody to come to help us. You know, 
we have to know to help themselves first. If you help themselves first, then God help you later. And this is what the example, one of the examples, we so naive and it just leave depending on somebody else to come for help. And uh, also, um, I learned that the last thing that my father loved me despite his abusive discipline when he chose me above his servant, um, even for feeding her mal- uh, his malaria pills that he so badly needed and that could have saved his life too. And you know, and also, um, even though after I survived, and you know, you asked me that, do I still feel like I'm a vic- I'm victimized by the genocide? Of course, I know that I am no longer, I am, you know, uh, still still victimized by the genocide. But I have to say to myself that, you know, I'm no longer living in a Khmer Rouge, and that is over. And I have to, you know to think positively that um, education uh, is a weapon to help me to survive too after everything's gone, materialistic, you know, material thing were gone and education still remain alive. Like my father told me that education never can be stolen. Even I came to the United States uh, with empty-handed, I still use education to move on and never give up. Never give up hope, and I, you know, um, and it's so hard to say that. And it's a the education is a weed that continue to grow no matter, no matter how hard I fight it. Uh, but it's have to keep growing, uh, keep hoping, and uh, be persistent, be resilient. So that's the only key, and never believe that you never can do anything. Um, that lead you to be successful in your life. And well, that's that, what um, I, if you have anything else to to, to ask me. <laughs> to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> there there uh, goes Tom's there there goes the uh, uh Napoleon Hill's uh, uh principles of uh, success Tom. Go ahead. I'm sorry Tom. Yeah, uh what I was going to ask cuz I know when Tim came to Canada he didn't speak any English, so him and his wife had to. They were poking holes in salt and sugar bags at the grocery store to see what it was. <laughs> Did you have that same challenge of not uh, knowing the language? Oh yeah, big time. I learned so hard, and I learned to cope with the accent, to the culture, and everything. And it took me a long time, like thirty years, to become. For who I am right now, but I still speak with accent, and you know what? I'm still happy. I still feel like uh, I make a lot of progress, and I never want to stuck up with um, what I felt before. Uh, I'm not a victim anymore, but I become a, a big asset for everybody uh, in America. Um, right. So, yeah. And so, and I think after your escape from Cambodia, and then. Uh, Getting here, learning English was like the least challenge you'd had in a long time. It was like the simplest one. It wasn't life-threatening or anything, but it, it is kind of tough to come to a new country and you don't know the language or the culture. And so uh, it, that's always a challenge as well. And so you got through that one uh, fairly easily. 
Uh, how did you, I, I know I found something similar to Tim's story, you made a daring escape to a ref- refugee camp in Thailand. Uh, did you have to do the same escape Tim did over all those mountains? Um, actually, the way that uh, Tim escaped, uh, I didn't know much about his part, but the way I escaped it, it was through the mountain too, but the Kaodang Mountain at the yeah. border of Thailand, yeah. But I had to work uh, to walk in group with a uh, a lot of people that time, and uh, you know, like what I said, people said, "Don't go, they're gonna kill you. Don't go, they're gonna rape you." I said, "Why?" Well, you know, life is short. A life, I was, uh, you know, people gonna die anyway. So why I have to? get stuck in, in Cambodia, why don't I try something different? Because I see the future. I have I have to create my own dream and follow my dream. I just um, walk through all of these things. So I survived the genocide. I could survive through the escape too. And I walked through, I walked through the mountain at night and they made me to carry um, the big sack of tobacco my goodness. For the first, oh, first they want that yeah. food supply there, Mom. <laughs> that was a food supply there. You were lucky. <laughs> well, I bet I bet if you chew on uh, that uh, um uh, uh, potatoes or whatnot and you're gonna uh, r- run into the jungle to to go to the bathroom or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that we can laugh about these things. Yeah, go ahead, Bo. Yeah. Um, well, well, we. I was interrupted. I'm sorry. What are your questions? <laughs> <laughs> you got to Thailand through Kawedang Mountain. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Kawedang is a is a, a refugee camp. Uh, uh, that uh, that that you probably see. I put the picture of a refugee camp in in our right. Napoleon Hills uh, 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 site. Uh, those are the the, the camp uh, that they put all refugees that cross over to Thai uh, through Thai border at that time. And yeah, so what, what year also... was that, Ron? What year was that? Was it in '84 that you? Or what year was that? Um, I believe in 1984. No, uh, 83. 84. Okay. Yeah, 83. 83. Okay. Yeah, okay. 83. Well, I'm you sorry, know, go I ahead, have... Tom. So like Tim, uh, Bora, you, did you have to climb the highest mountains because they were less likely to have landmines in them? Well, actually, I escaped through the mountain, and I didn't know how high the mountain was, but I knew that for sure that we all climbed up the, the top of the mountain at Kaodang, but... Honestly, I don't know how, how high it was, but fortunately, I didn't. Um, I didn't see any mine, uh, landmines, uh, anything. I just I walked through, so I was so fortunate that time. Mm-hmm. But I have gone through many things too. It's not just you know land uh, landmine, but rape things. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh. Well, I don't want to talk about it, uh, but anyway, yeah. that is another tough, chapter. Tough. <laughs> That's another chapter, another book for you to write, right? <laughs> tough, tough, tough. 
And I don't think people in North America can understand this kind of suffering and challenge. Uh, it's almost even hard just to it's hard just to listen to it to what happened, yeah. let alone to it's, live through it. Yeah, it's it's so hard for everybody who had not gone through the same tragedy could understand anything, and uh, that's why. Um, I wrote this book in a way that people can live with us, live with me, not us, live with me, and to understand how painful, what is the power of starvation, the power of living in a prison without walls. You know, prison without walls have a lot of meaning. You know, they don't put you like a prison like in the United States, but they limited you to walk, to talk, and they watch you, they spy on you everywhere. It's just like... One one word that you say it wrong, you're done. And uh, wow. that's what we have to change. I have to to change to a new person and not a spoiled brat anymore, not to be stubborn anymore, but to be like them. And it's, it was so hard. And it's just like, you know, but anyway, no matter what, I just feel like I become a big asset for, for everybody in the world, just like I... You know, mm-hmm. you know, I came from the wealthy uh, family class, and it's just like a a ball comparing to a ball that can dropping from the top to the bottom. And fortunately, it didn't hit the obstacle on the ground, <laughs> and then it bounced back. So when it bounced back, that is, hey, this is what the, I become, who I am right now, and I become. Um, I have to be part of the humanity and that's why I wrote this book is my first contribution to humanity and I believe that if you'll be followed my second volume addressing post-traumatic stress disorder I say it wrong mm-hmm. PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder right. and yeah. it's natural healing that's going to be mm-hmm. a good one too I'm looking forward to that book as well very interesting well, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us and uh, on this the 40th anniversary of the Khmer Rouge uh, taking over in Cambodia. And uh, uh, I thank you. Just It's a hard share, story to share. I'm sure it was even harder to live through. But when you live through something like you did, there are lessons that you mm-hmm. can teach the future generations. And I just thank you for an amazing book and for... Uh, sticking your neck and your life out like this to help and and deliver a message so that these things do not ever happen again. Yeah, thank you so much for today for the, your your interest in uh, interviewing me. And before this, uh, before we wrap up, I just would like to say a little word uh, because I feel that my father is around me right now and he's happy to see me. I'm here to deliver the message to the world and. I'm so happy to hear. I am so happy that without him, my book will not be written. So thank you so much, Tim and Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care, Tim. Take care, Vora. Okay, you too, Tom. Take Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at TomTooTall.com for details.